You're listening to the Missionary Perspective Podcast with veteran missionaries Eric Johnson and Joshua Mead. We're glad you could join us. We trust this podcast will be both a blessing and a challenge as we relate topics in world evangelism from a missionary perspective. Now, here's Josh and Eric. Hey, this is Josh Mead. We are so glad that you are joining us again this week for the Missionary Perspective Podcast. And I know you're staying busy in your part of the world as you continue moving forward in reaching the world for Christ. In some parts of the world, Eric, there's been elections and some people have been yes. disappointed and it's been a, it's been something to watch. But despite it all, we know, I saw somebody post the other day and said uh, that no matter what happens after uh, November, uh, whenever, whatever day the elections were, six or whatever, no matter what happens, Jesus will be on the throne the next day. And I thought, well, actually, whatever happens is because Jesus is on the throne. He's in charge <laughs> of it all anyways. But uh, hey, I really yeah. enjoyed the interview last week with Brother Chris there, even though it was a, it was a little bit hard to hear at times, <laughs> wasn't it? If you want to address that. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we've been going some, through some struggles with the audio of our, our little microphones. And I worked, I mean, you wouldn't believe how many minutes I worked before we even started the interview to make sure it was going to work. And in the end, it still didn't. So that's part of life. But those who could hear that uh, testimony, Brother Chris, maybe get a little sliver understanding of why he's so important to uh, my life over the years, his wife and him, his wife and him have been such great uh, mentors in the faith to Holly and I. And I really, uh, I really encourage missionaries who listen to that and who could get through it at least uh, to reach out, to check out uh, Sail International. Um, if you yourself are going through struggles or know someone, understand the importance of reaching out to counselors, whether it be your own pastor or those uh, your pastor would uh, allow, like in the case of Sail International, who can come alongside and um, put uh, truth into your life because, uh, you know, as missionaries, we need that. So, yeah, it was a great privilege for us to have Brother Chris with us and to do many activities and um, just glean a lot of wisdom from him. Yeah, and we're looking forward to many more interviews with other missionaries and pastors around the world. And uh, we've, we've got some feedback as well and a few emails giving us some suggestions. Mm -hmm. And we love mm -hmm. that. Send in topics yeah. or if you know somebody that we should interview and that should their voice should be heard and they're doing something for the Lord in missions. Uh, or, you know, whether it's in the States or Canada or worldwide, let us know. We'd love to hear feedback and uh, we love to hear suggestions. So today we're going to continue, Eric, with the questions from a young preacher boy. This was from my cousin mm -hmm. who just recently graduated uh, from Bible college. He's going to intern in one of our supporting churches. And he called me up the other day and uh, ran these questions by me. And I thought these are really, you know, it's got some deep perspectives here, some wonderful right. questions. And I think as we mentioned the last time, that really is a mark of a good, of a good Bible college is if your students can walk away knowing how to ask the right questions, not just always having the mm -hmm. right answers. And so if you can ask the right <laughs> questions and continue to pursue knowledge and understanding and the, the knowledge of the Lord, then, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be able to have an impact for the Lord as you continue to grow into whatever ministry God's calling you. And so we're going to continue right. and, uh, with these questions, I think maybe we'll try to get to four of them today, Eric. Now, the first question mm -hmm. Uh, no, question number six on our list, but the first question for today is this. Do you think that elders are necessary? Of course, that elders is interchangeable, you know, bishop, pastor, you know, 
Uh, do you think pastors or elders are necessary, or do you think that a general leadership team is biblically acceptable? Uh, when I spoke to Adam, I think the idea he's conveying with this uh, question is not necessarily how should the administration of a church be structured uh, specifically, but I think he's asking when it comes to those in leadership position uh, to to borrow words, uh, you know, from the worldly terminology, should they pre be professionals or can they be amateurs? I, I, is that kind of the idea you got when you read this question? Yeah, I did. We, we spoke a little bit before we started rolling here today that we uh, were trying to understand exactly maybe the point of view is coming from. But I think I think you're right. I think the idea is, do we need to have basically only a professional paid staff that is basically in charge of the church? And I think you know, I think we can know from scripture that it is more than that. It, it is more than that. Uh, obviously, there were uh, preachers of the gospel that received um, recompense for their work. But we also know that Paul went and ordained, you know, elders, plural, people who were who fulfilled the qualifications that were laid out in different times in the scriptures that who could properly lead the group, uh, lead the church. And, you know, as a practical measure in the 13 years we've led churches here, there is a uh, just a practical understanding that you do need leaders in the church to help you in many facets uh, of the church. And a lot of times they aren't ordained elders. They aren't people who are deacons, those who are pastors, but they are people who are maturing in Christ who need to come alongside. And so I think the, the, the short answer as we dive into this more is that you do need uh, more than just those who have gone to Bible college and who study the scriptures uh, to come alongside to help lead a church. The question would be, you know, um, you know, what are we talking about? Are these more day-to-day you know, deacon kind of issues where they're, you know, serving tables, helping out, uh, you know, practical things. Um, when it comes to the more, let's just say, spiritual aspects of the church, uh, we do tend to lean on the pastors of the church, those uh, who maybe were pastors in our church before that we've sent out. I'll often take advice from them. Uh, but the day-to-day, -day, I mean, you you need you need a large group of leaders who may or may not be ordained, but uh, they can get in there and help you uh, you know, help you lead the church. Yeah, certainly. And I think that there's a lot of different terminologies actually, you know, obviously used in different church circles for how they describe mm -hmm. church leadership. Right. And so some churches they'll, they'll have pastor and assistant pastor. Some churches they'll say, uh, you know, associate pastor and really all of the terms that we employ are used to help us better define what the role is of the person in that function. And a lot of times, and I want to make this point before we get a little more into the question, a lot of times um, though that role and even the terminology we employ is closely linked with the culture and society with, within which the church is planted, right? And I think this is important, especially if you're a young missionary, to understand that in some areas of, of church work, there, there's more than one perspective and more than one way of approaching things. Now, in scripture, when it comes to the definition of a church, that's biblically laid out. When it comes to the gospel and salvation, that's clearly spelled out in scriptures. When it comes to the qualification of an elder or a pastor, that's clearly defined in scripture. But when it comes to the structure of the administration of a church, 
Jesus touches on it a little bit. And I think there's another question. I'm mm-hmm. going to, we'll get more deeper into it. Jesus touches a little bit about you're not supposed to structure the church the way the Roman administration, you know, the way the world does in their right. power dynamic, you're to be servants. But that being said, it's still an organization of human beings gathering together mm-hmm. where there needs to be administrative structure so that there's order rather than chaos. And so, but that being said, my point is, I think there's more than one way of approaching it. I think a lot of times after you've made sure that you've marked off everything is biblical, you then need to see, okay, how do people in the culture and the society I'm working in view leadership and how do I make sure that I'm I'm biblical in, in setting up church administration, but then I'm being relevant and sensitive to the way that uh, this culture might view and administrate and do leadership. And so, I'll, you know, for example, I saw somebody tweet the other day and it was true. They said, Hey, you know, all we need is what the apostles had in the book of acts. The secret of the book of acts, the success of the church was they were just being led by the spirit. And I a hundred percent agree with that. You absolutely need the power of the Holy spirit. But if you dig deeper, you also notice that Paul had a structure and a program that he plugged into whenever he went to particular cities. He there was already a a um, the uh, oh, synagogue. There was already the synagogue structure in place, and even he took from the leadership structure of a synagogue and implemented a lot of that in, in the church leadership and the way that they set up their churches. And so when he went into a town, he followed kind of a, you know, the, this program of evangelism, he started where the word of God was already being preached. And then he would just go and plug in. And then from there, he would plant a church as those who were called out to follow Christ came out from among those who were disbelievers. And so my point is, yes, while we're being led of the spirit in all that we do, and we're conforming to the scriptures, sometimes there are more effective approaches than others in the way that we, uh, the way that we approach. So I would say, Eric, in a context of like the United States or Canada, most churches are looking for more professional, we could say men Mm -hmm. to put them into a hired position where they're going to be paid. And so if we're going to put them into this well-paid position, we want them to be well-trained. We want them to have a, you know, have a good degree, you know, not that the degree is what qualifies you, but we want to make sure they can expound the scriptures that they've studied scriptures and that they're able to lead a church. And so I, I think that's important. That's a, that that's a good thing. Whereas when you come to a place like Senegal, where there really is no permanent Bible Institute, you're starting from scratch. And so you're taking amateurs, you know, air quotes and training them those who are qualified to take leadership in the church. How how would you uh, approach that there in the Dominican Republic? Do you see more men going out nationals that, that need that professional training or is there more one-on-one training for them to become leaders in the church? Uh, So it's very interesting. I was thinking about our dynamic here when we started and I was thinking of a specific instance, for example, when we were at the point of uh, wanting to buy property, we had rented a, uh, plaza for a number of years. And, you know, the people never decided to rent the plaza. That was my decision as the church planter, you know? And so as the church is becoming, uh, having me- actual members who are saved and baptized and, and living a good testimony, as we approach this time, we, we didn't have deacons. 
Um, but what we did is we took the leadership of our church, the people who were the core members, who were who were faithful, who were in good standing with the Lord, and we, you know, we presented the need. We, we walked them through it. And there were two different times when we did that, when we came to purchasing property. And then one day, uh, I guess it was the same time where we were we were using another church building. And I thought, man, we should buy this other church building. It's a great spot. And, you know, people in the church gave me some great advice, told me some things I didn't know about the area. And, you know, if I had kind of had a dictator, I'm the guy, one day when we have deacons, they'll help make me decisions. I, you know, I would have made a lot of mistakes. But including them in that leadership, uh, helping us make the decisions, wise decisions. We did it down the line with other church planners uh, where we didn't even have the authority to make the decision, but because they, someone who was sent from our church saw that structure, we included up multiple churches with, with wise, mature believers together to help them make wise decisions. So when it comes to sending out church planters, um, you know, the great thing is lately because of internet and, you know, teleconferencing, you can get a lot better training now. Um, you don't have to necessarily go away to Bible college. It's just really great. But that one-on-one, -on -one, um, developing a gentleman, developing a, a couple to go out, you know, it, it, Dominicans, I think, kind of already know that they, they really include each other in the community. I think it's Americans, maybe it's American missionaries, we tend to be more pioneering. And right. so I think that is more biblical, you know, to, to include more people in decision-making and leadership. And um, that's that's what we've seen here. Yeah, certainly. And so, you know, not necessary that they be professionally trained, you know, in, right. in a Bible college setting, but there are training is important. You know, somebody needs to mm -hmm. know how to uh, rightly divide the word of truth. And I think when it comes to, you know, church leadership, there there are two things you want to avoid. You, you don't want a novice who's inexperienced yeah. in leadership because, you know, as Bible says, there's a pride element there. Uh, that can go to your head. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why being a novice, it just, it can be a tra tragic for a church really. Um, and if you're not, if you're not trained in properly dividing the scriptures, you know, the, the pastoral epistles emphasize that quite a bit on knowing how to rightly divide the word of truth, knowing how to rightly approach scriptures. But that's one of the amazing things about the age we're living in is that we have access to so much information to be able to mm -hmm. better improve ourselves that one of my goals with the men that we are training for leadership positions is not just to teach them scriptures, but to teach them how to continue to learn to better themselves and develop themselves as Bible teachers and to uh, so that they can rightly divide the word of truth. I think that's one aspect that, you know, a church, when you're setting up a leadership team, that you need to be careful of that because a lot of a lot of bad doctrine comes out of just not knowing how to rightly interpret a passage of scripture. Whereas on the other hand, I think safeguards need to be implemented so that you know one man doesn't become the authority figure and the final say for everything. I think there's health mm -hmm. in a church following the pattern that Jesus set up and designed. Uh, as we were prepping for this right before we we came on, we we mentioned, you know, Peter, the apostle Peter mm -hmm. describes himself not just as an apostle, and that was quite right. a position. I mean, he was he was the top dog with the 12 apostles. Um, he was the go-to guy that everybody looked toward. And yet he describes the audience he's writing to and says, you know, I exhort you as elders 
who am also an elder. So when he was writing to exhort them and encourage them to take up the mantle of church leadership, he was not reaching out to them with the authority of an apostle. He's reaching out to them as a, as, Hey, we're on the same level. We're, we're elders here, Mm -hmm. which means our job is to serve. That is the point of service in the local church, whether you're pastor and evangelist, whatever it is that you're plugging into in church leadership, it's the heart that is key. Do you have a servant's heart? And I think anybody with the right heart, with a servant's heart, that's following the dynamic that Jesus set up, uh, their heart's going to be open and surrendered to the Lord and God's spirit will guide them in growing into that role of using scriptures to teach and to lead and uh, all of that. But, you know, in, in your church, do you have other lead, do you have leadership roles that people play in your church that are not directly connected with teaching the word of God, but they impact people just the same? Uh, well, yes, I think if you would talk about um, those who lead the music, you know, we've had over the years to have a kind of a standard. They're not an assistant pastor. They're not teaching. But I have had what I consider a higher standard for them to, because they're going to be in front of the church congregation leading us into worship. Um, and we've had to deal with that over the years. Like I had someone I had to, you know, talk to them about testimony issues and say you know for a time until we both feel comfortable with this you know because even though they're not a pastor or a teacher um there is a there is a role where they're in front uh serving the church um i think of bus drivers are the same we've had a situation with bus drivers i mean you think that's just a but that's someone who's bringing people to church they are they are representing the church many times to visitors and we've had to deal with that people who had wrong attitudes treated people incorrectly and once again had to make adjustments and so it's not just i mean obviously with sunday school teachers those who work in nursery we have what i consider a higher standard um then maybe your average person just shows up and considers themselves a member um because you know they are in in types of leadership those who who greet at the door you know uh when it comes to serving in the church those who do the uh, sound room you know, we have people who I believe you know, they really do serve the Lord in those capacities. Um, and if there are you know problems, we try to deal with them, but we want them to understand like we, we actually have this. And I don't know if we'll get to this later. We every year have an involvement day and people sign up for ministries. But one of the first things we do before they put them in a ministry, we sit down with them, explain to them that, all right, you're serving the Lord. And this is a great thing. You're using your talents and your gifts for the Lord. But, you know, the Lord uh, expects you to, to have a good testimony. And, and to be faithful. And so, yeah, that's, that, that is definitely something we hold in a high esteem and consider them part of leaders of the church. Certainly. I think that, and we'll, we'll go to the next question after this, because the next three questions kind of follow up on this one. I, I started with question six. I skipped question five because yeah, question, question, <laughs> question five is actually going to follow up on, because this, this question we're answering right now can goes in one of two directions. How should a church administration right. be run? And then how do you get people involved in leadership in the church? Yeah. And I think to close out on this question and this thought, we need to understand, I, I think kind of the, the trajectory of a maturing church is always moving, not just toward, you know, we talk about a, a church being self sufficient, a church being able to reproduce itself and uh, to create and plant an indigenous church. 
But I think as well, an aspect of a maturing church is that it becomes self-edifying, that it finds edification mm -hmm. within itself, even beyond uh, the Apostle John, for example. He wrote to the, the, the audience he was writing to, his listeners, he said, you don't even need me. You know, I write these things, but you don't even need me because you have the unction of the Holy Spirit. You have the leading of the Holy Spirit. So as you're maturing and edifying, the apostle Paul wrote this in Ephesians. He said he gave some apostles and some prophets and some mm -hmm. evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know, they're, there's a reason why God gifts the church with certain leadership. There are those that God gives a calling to, a unique calling to, and then plants them in certain local church context for this reason. And then in verse 13 of chapter four, Paul says, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we be no more children tossed to and fro. And what he's getting at is a maturing church is moving away from needing an apostle. They don't need a prophet. They don't need an event. The mature church will have pastors and teachers that are coming out of the church to edify the church itself. And so part of, you know, as a missionary, we come to this country, we plant the church. We are apostles in a sense that we've been sent. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, mm -hmm. we're prophets in the sense that we're calling people to follow the, the, mm -hmm. the Bible and, uh, and, and herald the gospel. We're evangelists in that we are mm -hmm. uh, working with people one-on-one -on -one and explaining Persuading them to the them. gospel mm -hmm. in, in a context where maybe they've never heard the gospel. But then our goal is to find those who will shepherd the church within the church. And so as the church matures and grows, then we will ordain pastors or elders from within the church to take the leadership of the church. And in Africa, especially, there's a lot of guys that like calling themselves apostles. I'm the, I'm the apostle this, or I'm, I'm a, you know, the prophet this. And I always shake my head and say, well, man, you know, a mature church doesn't need the apostle and the prophet like that. Those things are you know, God used that in the early church to get a launch. And that's a whole nother discussion about kind of the <laughs> role of apostles and the role of prophets in that. But coming to our age and our day today, a maturing church, move, you know, moves to a place where they're self-edifying. And so I definitely think that whether they're trained officially, you know, in a Bible college setting or whether they're just general leadership that you're, you're training in your church, maybe they don't have a lot of responsibility, but I do think that it's acceptable to recruit people within the church. Uh, that's part, I think, of the discipleship process is bringing young men and young ladies along and giving them different responsibilities within the church according to their maturity level so that they can, as they grow, use their gifts to edify the church the way God has designed them as individual members to edify the church. I'm uh, looking forward to continuing these questions. Uh, I've been blessed just kind of digging deeper into some of these questions and I hope they've been a blessing to you. This is Josh Mead from over here in Senegal, West Africa. Eric Johnson in the Dominican Republic. God bless. Have a great week.